0: Hello, and welcome to Beyond Sustainability, the podcast all about remediating and restoring our environment. Brought to you by Newfields Environmental Consultancy. I'm your host, Richard Williams, and in this episode and over the few next episodes, I will be discussing the impacts and management of marine oil spills. Marine pollution incidents occur rather frequently. In May this year, we saw a large diesel oil spill in Russia's Arctic North contaminate Lake Piacino, which was a large freshwater lake. In August this year, the cargo ship MV Wakashio ran aground in Mauritius, leaking an estimated 1,000 tonnes of fuel oil into the internationally recognised biodiversity hotspot around the Mauritius coastline. And in September this year, news broke of a potential rocket fuel leak around the Kamchatka Peninsula in Russia causing the death of large numbers of sea creatures and physical injuries to surfers and swimmers. Interestingly, 2020 also marks the 10-year anniversary of the Deepwater Horizon environmental incident, where the blowout on the Deepwater Horizon drilling rig caused an explosion that killed 11 crew members and resulted in the largest marine oil spill in history. I'm going to be discussing what lessons we learnt from the management and remediation of the Deepwater Horizon spill that could and should be applied to these more recent incidents. My guest today is Dr. Sharuk Rouhani, founder and president of Newfields. Dr. Rouhani is an environmental statistician with more than 40 years of academic and consulting experience. He is the author of numerous published technical articles, guidance documents, and industry standards, and he was the principal investigator developing the statistical sampling designs for NOAA's cleanup effort of the Deepwater Horizon environmental spill. Dr. Uhani, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Richard, for having me today. It is my pleasure to discuss lessons learned after the
1: Deepwater Horizon incident.
0: So, tell you what, could you start by giving us like an overview of the Deepwater Horizon incident, please?
1: Sure. Deepwater Horizon was a semi-submersible mobile offshore drilling platform in the Macondo Prospect oil field, about 40 miles off the coast of Louisiana. Offshore drilling started in February 2010, water a depth of approximately 1.5 kilometers, almost a, whole, a mile deep water. On April 20th, 2010, less than three months into drilling, an explosion and subsequent fire resulted in the sinking uh, of the platform and a massive oil spill that lasted for 87 days. During this period, more than 4.9 million barrels of crude oil was released, impacting large parts of the marine and coastal ecosystems of Northern Gulf of Mexico. With more than 2,000 kilometers of oil shorelines. The incident was the largest oil spill in the U.S. history.
0: Wow, thank you. Um, so Newfields obviously did a lot of work um, during the time and uh, in the subsequent years. Um, so can you first tell us how Newfield, how and why Newfields uh, became involved with the, with the project? A uh, few days after the incident, uh, Newfields was approached
1: by NOVA that is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, to provide expert services to the Natural Resource Damage Assessment, uh, or as they say, NERDA team. As the extent of the problem became clear in the the subsequent weeks, Newfield's role was expanded into other aspects of the assessment. Um, During this extensive effort, a large number of scientists and experts assisted NOAA, which was faced with uh, new challenges that led to many valuable lessons
0: learned. Okay. So what was the role of Newfields during those investigations?
1: Initially, Newfields' role was limited to forensic chemistry and statistical analysis. Gradually, through interactions with numerous groups of experts of the assessment team, Newfield's uh, role was expanded into sampling design, uh, leading field sampling crew, forensic investigations, and data analysis. During these extensive efforts, NOAA team um, encountered uh, numerous problems, and we had to come up with solutions and uh, uh, try to address many problems that we encountered.
0: Mm. You you said that over time sort of the roles Newfields played evolved quite a bit. Do we take from that at the very start of the incident there wasn't a clear uh management strategy in place. This was very much a a learn by doing sort of sort of um management style. To
1: to a, to a large extent Richard this was the this is exactly what happened. The scale of the incident was so large the, and it was so uh, unique in the history of uh, United States environmental efforts that it was completely new. And as a result, uh, you know, especially the first few months were a, a very fast learning curve that all of us went through. So how did
0: it, it sounds like Deepwater Horizon is very, like you say, it's is, it is quite a different um, instance of ones that... Uh, Happened previously. So how how was it different from other say other natural resource damage cases?
1: Uh, Deepwater Horizon, as uh, you know, we discussed, was a much larger than a typical oil spill. Uh, federal government in the United States was really to address oil spills in the waters of the United States, and uh, many of the procedures were designed and implemented for typical oil spills. In such situations, NOAA uses quantitative procedures to evaluate the damage and to determine the scope and the scale of compensatory restoration. That's the whole objective of this work, is to and then ensure uh, that you provide enough comp- compensations to balance the loss caused by the oil spill. The quantitative procedures that NOVA has developed are now industry standards. For example, HEA, which is Habitat Equivalency Analysis, or REA, R-E-A, Resource Equivalency Analysis, are examples of these procedures. Basically, using these techniques, uh, the damage is quantified, and then it can be expressed either in monetary units or units of habitats or resources. I'll give you an example. Consider an oil spill that impacted 10 acres of wetland, uh, which would take 10 years to be fully restored. Under a HEA habitat equivalency analysis, NOVA may require restorations of 500 acres of wetland as a compensatory measure or require payments equal to the value of 500 acres of wetlands. During the deep water horizon, NOVA uh, recognizing the Inj- the scale of the injury, which was much wider than their typical oil spills, decided not to use a quantitative procedure. In other words, they the, decided to avoid using here or here techniques. Instead, the federal government argued that the scale and the scope of restoration should be determined based on the judgment of the trustees and who are the trustees in this case in this case the trustees was the federal government uh mainly uh, led by noaa and the five states which were affected the five affected states were louisiana mississippi alabama florida and texas they coined a new approach as programmatic damage assessment and restoration plan and they called it uh, PDARP for their uh, acronyms
0: PDARP or PD P-DAR. okay. So what's what is a PDARP compared to uh, the other the other types of restoration plans
1: PDARP is not a specific restoration plan instead It is a framework consisting of what Nova described as programmatic, compensatory directions. And I emphasize the word directions, uh, which means that there were not specific plans. Instead, there were ideas and concepts which were driving the PDR. And all these directions were based on trustees' judgment which in this case, as I told you, included the federal government and the five affected states. PDAR gave an enormous negotiation advantage to the trustees because it was their judgment that would determine the scope and scale of the compensations. And eventually, they reached a settlement with BP in October 2015. The final settlement was uh, worth more than twenty billion dollars, the largest amount ever
0: awarded in the U.S. history. So the the up is essentially, rather than as you said, not it's not a quantification plan. It's more of a what do you think is the likely damage caused to all these different. Aspects of the environment which need to be restored and, uh,
1: and also what type of compensation uh, Is required to uh, address and balance the loss created by the injury? Uh, in a quantitative manner like here or here, uh, uh, The federal government has to actually calculate and say that X number of acres or x number of dollars must be uh, paid in order to address the losses caused by the damage in this case on the other hand they said that we're not going to quantify we're going to list all the injuries that have ha- happened and what we believe in our judgment is an appropriate uh, restoration which which created a very advantageous position
0: for the trustees yeah. so do you think so looking at sort of lessons learned from this what do you think has been learned from the application of the PDARP as opposed to what um, was before standard procedures
1: P-DARP, uh was a novel approach it created both new opportunities and challenges for trustees obviously PDAARP provided new opportunities for large scale restoration compensations however such compensations require or i should say demand careful planning to maximize the resulting gains and benefits in the absence of such plans the compensatory budget can be wasted without fulfilling its promises Mm -hmm. so this is the first lesson learned by the trustees. For responsible parties, PDARP created new challenges and uncertainties. In absence of well-defined rules, code-unquote judgmental plans can become cumbersome and counterproductive. And the lessons learned was that in contrast to the PDARP, for responsible parties, of implementing and performing a quantitative natural resource damage assessment provides a balanced approach for damage valuation and compensatory restoration.
0: So, was this is this the first example of a PDW? Then this was this was created in order to manage the the water Horizon spill. There wasn't anything like this done before. Uh,
1: it, it, as I said, you're right, Rich. That was the first time that PDR, that this concept was implemented. And uh, as I said, until then, uh, almost all regulations in United States regarding oil spills would have require required quantitative assessment and justifications for the restoration projects. So, so
0: since then, have been any examples where PDAFs have been applied again um, to uh, environmental? It,
1: it has not uh, been applied officially, although other countries, for example, Brazil, uh, the Brazilian prosecutors are taking uh, lessons and, in fact, have uh, contacted uh, and, uh, federal uh, experts in the United States to learn more about PDARP and its potential applications in their
0: uh,
1: own environmental cases.
0: So this is this is an system where perhaps the an incident is so big that to fire is is almost impossible in some respects. So you've got a this is a different approach. Well, it's been really interesting. Thank you very much for your uh, time today, um, and thank you very much for speaking to me. Um, You're welcome. In, in the next episode, I'll be talking with two data scientists from Newfields um, to explore how effective data management was um, and how essential it is when dealing with uh, marine oil spills, particularly the Deepwater Horizon incident. Um, so thank you very much for listening. And for more information about this podcast or anything New Fields does, you can visit our website at www.newfields.com or email us here at uh, rwilliams at newfields.com. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you join me again soon. bye